Today, I dropped my first 2023 NBA big board for MavsDraft.com. Going to talk about it, some of the hotter takes I have on it, why I have some of the guys in the top 10. It's generally within the line of the consensus, where I have them, and who are some names to watch to rise to the top of the 2023 NBA big board. Coming up on Locked On NBA Big Board. You are Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? My name is Richard Stamen. You probably know me better as at Mavs Draft on Twitter. I'm a credentialed college basketball media member, uh, mostly at TCU around Dallas, some of the Conference USA for the last few years, uh, Conference USA tournament, I should say. Uh, also been around uh, combines and events and private workouts, things like that. If this is your first time listening, thank you very much for giving us the chance. Uh, I also want to thank everybody who has been listening and for making this your first listen of today. Uh, even though this is a late drop, you might be hearing this on Friday. You might be hearing this Thursday afternoon. Either way, thank you for your commitment. I know it is tough. August 11th is not exactly a time where people are like, hey, you know what I really want to do is talk NBA draft. So I really get why you, this would not be your first choice, but thank you for making it your first choice of today. So I dropped my first NBA big board of the 2023 draft cycle. You can find it on my Twitter. I haven't really tweeted much today uh, outside of this. Or you can go to my site, mavsdraft.com. should be the second post outside of my first high school scouting report I did. Uh, but I, I just want to talk about the big board today. So for those that haven't seen it, let's start with the, the hot takes I have on it. So I did a top 45 Top 30 is what I've been seeing, but here's the thing with this class. I want to emphasize this. I say this a lot. This draft class is really strong. You'll see that year, day in and day out, I think, going forward for the next 11 months, 10 months, of just how strong this draft class truly is. It's got star power at the top. It's got depth in the middle of the first round. It has a lot of depth going into the second round. There are some good returners this year, a lot of sophomores and juniors and seniors that should be able to make a big impact and will be hard to keep off of draft boards. The only downside of having so much talent is, you know, there's only normally there's only 60 picks, but this year is only 59. Same thing that happened this, this year with 58 picks, more tampering, um, uh, complete side tangent. It makes no sense that they go, Hey, let's just take away an entire pick, rob some kids of their experience to hear their name called, I just don't see really the value of getting 59 picks. feels like it's a little bit better to auction it off, something like that. Uh, but, you know, I'm not the commissioner of the NBA, so uh, not my choice. But let's start with some of the hot takes on my board. Uh, these are the, I'm just going to go off of what people have told me. I personally don't think I have any hot takes. I think these are pretty fair evaluations based on what I've seen. But I understand the criticism because I do, un I do know they're unpopular at times and things like that. But I'm not doing this just to, like, create clicks or whatnot. So... The first one I, I got uh, questions on, I'll say, is Terquavion Smith. I have him all the way up at number seven. He's my number one returning player for the draft. Um, he's out of North Carolina State. He likely, I, I think he would have gone first round picks. From, from the intel I got, I think he was going first round, could have gone top 20. Uh, the last year's class, or this last draft, I should say, not exactly the strongest, so... In a stronger class, him being that high, I think it kind of aligns with what NBA teams believe about him. He's a kid who he was 94th recruit going into last year. He was uh, under-recruited, and he showed out at 6'4", 160. Yeah, he's skinny. Um, he still was pretty impressive. 16 points a game, two assists, not that great, but he also 
I, I don't think he got a proper chance to showcase his playmaking a ton, four rebounds a game, 1.3 steals, half a block a game, uh, 1.7 turnovers. And that was on 40% shooting, 37% from three, 70% from the line. So the big thing for me of why I expect him to, to really see an increase this year one, Darion Sebron, who is, uh, I want to say he got with the Thunder, if I'm not mistaken, but this is almost irrelevant at this point. He's gone from North Carolina State. Um, excuse me, he's on the Pelicans. He got a two-way with the Pelicans. I knew it was a team with a lot of draft picks. Uh, but he got a two-way with the Pelicans, an undrafted free agency. He was the other premier ball handler at North Carolina State. I really liked Terquavion Smith being the, the guy at North Carolina State. I think that's going to do a lot for him. I think he easily eclipsed 20 points a game. He's going to go field goal percentage over 42, 43%, somewhere in that ballpark. Wouldn't shock me to see 44. Three-point percentage should stay the same. And the free throw percentage, it's not unheard of to hear a guy go from 70 to 75. 75 generally is a benchmark that you want to be hitting, especially as a guard. That's like the low end. Anything below is going to cause some questions. Uh, for example, Oche Agbaji is somebody who – before this year, his first three seasons, he had 69%, 67%, 69% from the line. And then I think like before the NCAA tournament, he was shooting 76% from the line. So he finally got across that as a shooter. Obviously, he's not a guard, but as a shooter, you want that free throw percentage to be there because the indicators from free throw percentage are stronger than three-point percentage because it showcases touch, form, and repeatability in that shot is, in theory, what it's supposed to do. Obviously, you still need to make your shots from range, but... It's a better statistical predictor. Regardless, I see Terquavion Smith taking a jump next year. It's more than just that, though. You look at a guy who, again, he's 160 pounds. As of now, we don't know what he's been doing this offseason. There's really been no cameras on North Carolina State's offseason. So uh, this is a team that they were pretty rough. They won 11 games. There's not a lot of eyes on them. So he could be adding 10 pounds. Look, if he adds, if he adds all the way up to 200 pounds um, by age 23, I think you're looking at a, a really high-end player. So for me, that's why I have him up there. The projection and strength long-term plus the jump now, I think he's going to be the best sophomore in the class. And generally, the best sophomore in the class goes to be a top 10 pick. I, I don't think that's very unheard of. So I really like him. Another one, I, I personally didn't know what to do with the Twins. Uh, the OTE experiment is just difficult. Uh, I had Amen at 10, Osar at seven, at 6. Probably could have swapped those two at some point. Uh, I go back and forth each day with um, with both of those. So that's a little bit tough for me, but I, I get the appeal on both. My guy Bryce at Motor City Hoops did a breakdown I posted also today on Thursday on both that you can uh, that you can read as well, or watch, I should say. It's a video breakdown, and it kind of elaborates on why I like it are a little bit more he kind of convinced me but it's they're very similar players i know it's kind of lazy to compare twins and just say oh they do the same things like the morris twins but sometimes that is actually the case so uh they are not the same player but they are very similar another one tyrese proctor nobody actually has grilled me on this i have tyrese proctor at 12 i've said this probably once a week for the last five six weeks since he reclassified dude's a dynamic shot creator the only thing that could i could see making me be very wrong on this is will he get the touches in year one with Dariq Whitehead? That's a big question mark. That is an absolutely stacked Duke team and he reclassified into this year. So he's young. If he shows out his shot creation ability is so strong. If he shows out, I think he's going to be a lottery pick. 
six four or so. I'm double checking that now, but I'm I'm pretty sure I've been going off of uh, that height being just that around six four six five. That's a big deal. Um, so if he he needs to add weight to 170 pounds, that's a big thing for him. But offensively, I just think he's he's going to be able to create and he's going to be able to score. Another one, I have Nick Smith a little bit lower. Um, this is simply a, a difference in how you evaluate his athleticism popping, I think. Because if you think he's going to pop athletically, he's probably a top 10 player. For me, I think that's the difference between him becoming that athleticism in-game is the in the half court especially, is him, the difference between him being a solid starter, which I project him being, which is still very good. You almost get top 10 return on value on any starter almost in any draft, just based on the distribution of starters in the league by what year they were taking, things like that. So generally, Nick Smith's type is going to be a starter. I think he's going to try really hard on defense and succeed. Also going to be able to score pretty well. Just again, the athleticism, I think it's going to limit him in some ways in the half court. That's where the difference for me in seeing star upside and starter upside. And the last big uh, difference, I should say, in in um, in just where I rank him compared to everybody else, I don't even think he's really ranked by many other people, is Mike Miles. I know I've been talking for a while here, so I'll, I'll kind of keep this quick because it's really hard for me not to. With Mike Miles, I said I, – I, Led at the intro, I am media credentialed at TCU. I've been to uh, every game. I didn't go to any of the COVID games because I was I was petrified. But um, I've been to every TCU home game but four since 2019. Uh, so I saw all of Desmond Bain a lot there. I've gotten I've gotten to know Desmond Bain and, and Mike Miles. So I, I've been close with the program, and I see it with Mike Miles. The work ethic is there. The understanding is there of the game. He just sees the game at such a different level. And at his size at 6'1", generally they have those kind of guys, they have shortcomings in how they can actually execute that basketball IQ above guys, like physically above guys, like seeing above defenses, things like that. It's not the case with Mike Miles. I think he's a Jalen Brunson type. I think someone like that just sticks. I always put a Jalen Brunson in the lottery of my, like near lottery, at least on my board. I have a number 17. And another thing for him is I just project his stats going up. The stats haven't been that good. I'll fully acknowledge that. Uh, his, he relied too much on his runner and that's really impacted his field goal percentage. He shot 38% from the field last year, 29% from 29 and a half percent from three and 76% from the line, 83% the year before. So I think the shooting is very, very undervalued right now. Obviously, those numbers aren't acceptable, but I think you're going to see this team just is ran, running it back almost one for one. They lost one player, and I think they actually upgraded him, which is Francisco Farabello. He did a good job of being off-ball point guard, but they got Rondell Walker, who can be a 3 and D guard. I think that's a better addition, and that's going to make Mike Miles better. Uh, so for me, you look at somebody who he can handle double teams very well. They're running back the same team. Generally, guys, teams who run back a team – that I know that kind of sounds weird, but teams that run it back the year after they see big statistical increases with somebody. And I think Mike Miles is going to be that guy. He already is at 15 points a game. He doesn't need to do much more points wise, just needs to brush up that efficiency. If he's crossing, if he's getting near 45%, 35 from three and 75 plus from the line, and he's going to be getting the assists. I think his four assists from last year, that's going to go up. That's going to be five assists. Turnovers will probably stay the same at two and a half, three. That's big. So I personally just am a big time believer in him and the big selling point. This is why I have him in my top 20. He is still 19 years old as we record this entering his junior year. He turns 20 in, in a couple of weeks. Uh, so that is huge. 
that is absolutely huge. You're drafting somebody the most in age of a sophomore for most of these kids. There's fresh incoming freshmen that are older than Mike Miles. So that's why I'm so high on him. But I also want to talk about some of the other guys on this board. There's a ton of names to get through. I'm not going to go through all top 45, but going to talk about some of the others in there and then who was left off as well. But first, let me tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the online resource, top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts they have you covered. So head to BetOnline today or use your phone to learn more about the action happening at BetOnline today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Again, my name is Richard Stamen. You might know me on Twitter as at MavsDraft, more than Richard Stamen, but uh, just wanting to keep going through this big board ranking I did. A, I dropped a top 45. There's a lot of freshmen because a couple things. One, freshmen do make up a good amount of the draft picks. I'm not sure if they make up actually a majority, but it sure does feel like it every year, uh, especially as the league continues to shift younger and younger. The average age in the NBA is not very old. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's only like 24, 25, which blew my mind. I had a draft prospect tell me that, and I, I was stunned. And they're a 24-year-old in so this is something where youth matters, and that's why there's going to be a lot of freshmen. So let's keep talking about some of the other guys in here. I'm going to move down. I ended with Mike Miles on 17th uh, on my board, so I, I won't keep going up from there. I'm only going to keep going down. I think somebody who hasn't gotten any national coverage uh, yet fully deserves it is, and I might botch this, so excuse me, but uh, Paulius Moroskis on Lithuania. He was on the U18s. Uh, for Lithuania this last uh, this last month, actually. So I'm pulling up his stats now. He was he was unbelievable. Um, to me, he really stood out as probably the best prospect in the event. Averaged through seven games, 21 points a game, six rebounds, three assists, which is really strong. Uh, unfortunately, I don't really have the stat. I don't know why they don't list the field goal percentage on here. Uh, it's kind of weird to me, but regardless. He's been, he was really good. And what sells me on him, I have a number 21 on my board. What sells me on him is I wish he was just a little bit taller. He's 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, if he had one more inch, I think this guy is a top 15 prospect, no question. What sells me on him is you have quick foot speed. He has blocking shots, handling guards on switches. He has good passing instincts. I think he had a couple of passes that reminded me of Sabonis. Uh, I know that's almost a cop-out because if I'm not mistaken, they're both Lithuanian. Uh, so I realize how lazy uh, that is to say something like that. However, a lot of the passes, you can see he's watched the bonus, looks up to his countrymen, and that is apparent. And then his jump shot is so sweet. I think that's his absolute selling point. Shoots over defenses, beautiful, clean jump shot form. To me, that's a major, major point for him where it's, that's going to put him on top. You look at a modern forward, you want them to shoot, pass, and defend. That's a selling point for me. I have number 21. Wouldn't shock me to see him go higher. Just turned 18 six months ago. So he would be 19 on draft day. Really like him. Somebody who I I have also gotten questioned on is why do you, I was asked, why do you have Anthony Black so low? So he is from Duncanville. He's my number 24 ranked player. He's going to Arkansas. You look at somebody who, if I'm, I, I'm pulling up his uh, height to be exact, but he's six, seven. 
If I'm not mistaken, he's a six, seven point guard with a hundred weighs, 185 pounds. Um, really just, you look at a big ball handler, it's him. He's a top 20 recruit, top five, or excuse me, five star. What worries me about him, I've seen him twice in person, and I saw his stuff in the FIBA U18s. Didn't come away super impressed in the in-game action. I saw him in um, for Duncanville in the Thanksgiving Hoop Fest in Dallas. Uh, they played against Kimball, who had Arteria Morris, who if you've listened to this podcast, you know I absolutely love Arteria Morris. Uh, I don't think he's a one-and-done guy, but I think he is going to be an NBA player one day. But... Anthony Black just like he struggled with turnovers. There were simple decisions that he should have made better and quicker. And it concerned me. The same thing started to happen in the FIBAs. So I, I just think he's a little bit raw. Ultimately, a six, seven point guard who can probably shoot and will eventually be able to, and he's really athletic too, and will be able to get to the rim and should be able to defend. That's a really good player. I just think he's raw and that still needs to be unlocked in full for that before that's actually a real possibility of happening tomorrow. So for me, you look at the immediate value and I think there is some risk in that regard. And that's why I have him a little bit lower. I think the raw tools you look at are top 15 in the draft at the very least, maybe even top 10. Um, but ultimately it just comes down to how realistic is unlocking that stuff early. How much of a process is it going to be to unlock that? That's big for me. So that's why I have Anthony Black outside of my top 20. I know that's a little bit unpopular. He's a he's a darling on draft Twitter so far. Will absolutely remain that. He's a really good kid. Uh, I know a little bit of his story. It's um, just not a good upbringing, not his own fault or anything. It's just like uh, I, can't, I can't get too into it. I just know he's been through a lot. So um, he's a good kid. Definitely would love to give him the benefit of the doubt. The other time I saw him was at – uh, I went to a, a pre-draft. It wasn't even a workout. It was just a bunch of guys who were there. Drew, Timmy, I went with Raphael. We recorded a video on YouTube, which, by the way, if you're not following us on YouTube, please subscribe, Locked on NBA Big Board. But we recorded a video where there was Drew, Timmy. There was Hugo Basson. Um, there were a lot of NBA draft prospects just out there. Mike Miles was actually there. There were just a bunch of guys from in the DFW area that were training there and whatnot, and he was one of them. He was a little bit lost. He looked a little bit nervous to go at guys like Moses Brown, which I get you're 18 years old and a seven, two center is on the court. You probably would be a little bit nervous. So um, I get it, but he just ultimately didn't really stand out. He was passive. Um, don't know how much I actually weigh that, but just kind of of note. So I have him again, 24th. Another guy who I think people should know more about is Roddy Gale from Ohio state. You look at his passing, really pops. I think he's a one and done there. He has a pretty good guard backcourt, or excuse me, guard roster at Ohio State with Isaac Likely also there. He's a monster on defense, but I think Roddy Gale, somebody who is going to be a versatile shooter, he can play both on and off the ball on offense, and also the same holds true on defense. I currently have him number 32 on my board. Could see him creeping in to the top um, – 30. I'm also checking on his height for an official um, height on that official number. And he is in at six. I keep falling in love with these six, four guys, six, four, 195, a little bit more filled out than some of the other guys, but you look at his passing. I posted some tweets about him. If you type in Mavstraft Roddy, uh, it's a little bit risky. You might find David Roddy on there instead, but if you type in that, you'll see some of the videos I posted on there as well. One more um, before I get a word in from our sponsors here, Jalen Wardley. Jalen Worley is somebody who I have him number 38 on my board. I really like his game. I think he 
he was undersold as a freshman at Florida State. He ultimately, like, he, did, he just didn't get a big chance. I don't think as much of a chance as he should have gotten, and he was a little bit raw, only played 19 minutes a game, 3.7 points a game, was inefficient at 33%, 30% from field, 67% from the line. But the passing, the passing really pops. To me, he's going to be good on defense. I, I trust that. He's 6'6", 200. And I'm just going to make the comparison now. I feel like he's Josh Primo. Like, you just, I watch the way he plays. Doesn't have exactly the exact same shift. Um, shiftiness that Primo does, but from an overall evaluation perspective, he reminds me a lot of Josh Primo, and I'm really high on him living up to his top 40 recruiting status from last year. I really like him. I think he's going to take a jump. Florida State has a pretty stacked roster, and if he's getting 25 minutes a game, that's only a five-minute increase in last year, 5'6". That's that's a big jump. I, I think he's got that coming. I think good teammates will make him better, and, like, and vice versa. He'll make his good teammates even better. So I really like him. Let's get a quick in word in from our sponsors. And then I'll wrap up some of the other quote unquote, uh, I guess, conventional guys that kind of wraps up the top 45. So that was number 39. It's not much else in there uh, in the top 45 at the bottom that I want to talk about. So I'll, I'll kind of address some of the guys at the top, why I have them where they are. So finishing up the Mavs draft big board, as I, uh, I'll call it uh, as I am Mavs draft. Let's go back to the top. I said I wouldn't go backwards, but here we are. So I have three Duke guys in the lottery. Uh, that may not happen. That's pretty unprecedented. Kentucky almost did it uh, in 2012. In fact, they might have actually done it, depending on where Terrence Jones went. I should have researched that before. Regardless, here's my top five. So I have Victor Wembanyama number one, Scoot Henderson number two. Those are They're on their own tiers. Uh, for me, I, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. The only thing that can hold Victor Wembanyama back is health. He's, he's not going to bust because of skill. Same exact thing as Chet Holmgren. Like those guys are not going to fail because whoops, we went to Gonzaga or whoops, he played in Europe. He, we didn't see this one little thing coming. It's not at all that. Like these guys are unbelievably skilled at an unguardable height with that combination of skill height. And, you know, I, I think Victor Wembanyama, he's easy to overthink because he's like seven, four and is going to get injured. That's really the only way he fails. Scoot Henderson. I fully buy him shooting. He's advanced. He's 17 playing in the G League and honestly dominating. Really athletic, gets to the rim. I think he'll be good on defense. I love everything about Scoot Henderson. So they're on their own tier at one and two. They got an island tier. After that, I have Derek Lively and Dariq Whitehead. They're both going to Duke. They're in their own tier. Derek Lively is somebody who I got a lot of questions about. So Dariq Whitehead is a three-level scorer. I think he's pretty athletic. We'll get to the rim. Needs to polish some stuff there. But ultimately, you'll get a three-level score with Pop athletically. It's a really good player. That's why I have him number four. Now, the more questionable one is Derek Lively. I have him at three currently, which I know is that's probably a hot tip. Like, if there's anyone I'm like, all right, I'm putting myself out there. I'm not 100% sure I believe it, but I do see a real route to this becoming a fact. It's Lively. What I like about him, he's actually the number, I want to say number one recruit for 247 on their, their consensus board. So I'm not like, going way out on a limb here but speaking of limbs the dude is long the dude has long arms he's got he's just got a long body he needs to get stronger he's seven one with a weighs 220 pounds so he's not like chet holmgren skinny but he is still a little bit skinny and with lively the way i see him and this is almost it's probably a little bit too simplified but i think he's good in the pick and roll he's pretty skilled as a big he's going to dominate inside if you get a big man who is that size can be great in the pick and roll 
can abs can score like 70% near the rim, 68, like 65 to 70% near the rim and absolutely dominate at the rim and defend the perimeter. And then you add a three point shot. That's a really, really special player. Like that's a starting center easily. That's probably the best center in, uh, well, that, I mean, that's close to Chet Holmgren. I think an evaluation perspective, I think they're pretty similar on that regard and overall how you rank them, not obviously one-to-one in skills and all that, but like their impact that they could both have, I don't think it's that far off. So if you add some ball skills to Lively, I mean, I'm not talking like, hey, he needs to learn how to ISO and size up from the perimeter. I'm saying like, hey, make him a consistent passer or something like that. It's not that unrealistic. So I've seen him walk up Mellow, uh, or excuse me, Seth Trimble, uh, who is, he was on the FIBA U18s actually, and he's a top 40 recruit, locked him up on the perimeter, had a, had a block on him, smothered him. And then on the putback, he just winds up and just smacks it out of the putback uh, opportunity. So for me, I look at just somebody who has the raw flashes. It wouldn't shock me to see him end up top five in this draft as a big man. He could be a franchise changing, changing big man. And uh, you okay? I know Detroit already has like Jalen Duran. So this may be out of the picture, but it's not like they can't use multiple of these guys. If they got him with, with uh Cade Cunningham my goodness it would be quite the pairing the only thing is he would have to be able to shoot like he has to shoot for that to work in Detroit another one Gigi Jackson I have him uh or actually let me just finish out this top 10 tiers because I started something there then I have from one from the rest of the top 10 which is pick uh which is my fifth ranked player Cam Whitmore down to my 10th player Amen Thompson they're all in the rest of their tiers that's Cam Whitmore Asar Thompson Turquavion Smith Gigi Jackson, who is somebody who I think he's the biggest risk to fall out of the top 10 here, not Turquavion, but actually Gigi Jackson, who reclassified, decommitted from North Carolina and committed to South Carolina, then Keontae George and Amen Thompson. So I really like this draft. I think, uh, uh, actually, I'll go with one more before I close this out. Kalel Ware, I haven't been super impressed. I didn't think he was, uh, I I think he's a good rim protector. He's going to Oregon but he's like almost just a rim protector. The jump shot should be better than it is. He airballs too many shots right now. Uh, even though his his form is probably like close to Lively's or maybe even better, but he just doesn't make his shots. And that's really weird to me. Uh, he looks a little bit lazy on defense at times. In the And I, that's not even, that came across wrong. I realized what I just said. He didn't get in stance as often as he should have in the FIBAs is all I'm trying to say. And I'd like to see him get in stance in college something yet to be seen can't really judge off of that but the first impressions haven't just been that strong for me that's why i have him at number 15 it's a lot lower than a lot of other people i mean i've seen most people actually put where above lively so i do know that one is controversial but uh go ahead and check out the rest of my top 45 i'll i'll read off a couple names that i left off the the next five just as a little teaser or actually six because there's a big name uh, at 51 but so after L. Ellis, who ends it at Louisville, really, really just old school ISO guard. I think if that build can come back, L. Ellis is it. Uh, so 46 through 51, I'll read off and then uh, I'll send you your way. Leonard Miller at 46, he's going to the G League Ignite, almost tested the waters this last year, but uh, it's like 6'10", raw forward, has a lot of ball skills. You need to see the jumper be better. Uh, then I have Chris Murray, brother Keegan Murray at Iowa. I think he's getting a lot of hype because of that, a little bit more than he should, but he's still a good player. Amari Bailey at UCLA, want to see him polish out his game, but he's a really skilled shot maker lefty. If you're into lefty shot makers, he's really fun to watch. Kadari Richmond at Seton Hall. Um, 
just a really good defender gets to the line. Um, doesn't shoot that well. Well, Richard, I honestly haven't seen as much as I want to from him, but he was really impressive at Belmont. Should take a jump at Florida. Shout out to Hawks draft nerd Simon Rath. He's been big on Will Richard uh, for a long time. Then the final one, this is the big name I was referring to, Amoni Bates. He was young last year, wasn't even eligible for the 2021 NBA draft. Went back home to Eastern Michigan. That's where he's going to school. I think he has to have big numbers, though. It's always a risk. You look at guys like Patrick Baldwin. When these big names go to small schools, they have to be elite players. If they're not, it's a major red flag. Patrick Baldwin still got drafted first round. Moni might. Here's the thing, though. Patrick Baldwin measured well. He had like a 7-1 wingspan. Moni Bates is, what, 6'8", six, 6'7", six, with like a 6'5 wingspan. That's not going to fly for NBA teams. I, I saw firsthand Desmond Bain was discounted by many NBA teams because of his wingspan. I was I, I had multiple sources telling you. I know I sound like Chris Broussard saying that, but like I actually have sources telling me that he would have gone higher, just teams cared too much about the wingspan. In fact, there were teams that wouldn't even interview him right away because like they waited till he started rising because of that wingspan concern. So if Desmond Bain got it, who was a pretty decorated college player and successful college player, Amoni Bates is going to get that criticism too. So that wraps this up. That's my top 45. Go ahead and check it out at mapdraft.com. Thank you again for making us your first listen. I know it's a little bit the dog days of summer and everything, but go ahead and also subscribe on YouTube and we will be back tomorrow. Thank you and have a wonderful rest of your day.